evening and welcome to Screen Tone Club, unlucky episode 13. This is being recorded on the 9th of December 2018, due for release on the 18th of December 2018. I'm here, Mr. Elliot Page, and with me, as always, is my lovely co-host, Mr. Andy Hanley. Andy, have you finished your Christmas shopping yet? Um, actually, I, I have. I'm, I'm currently at that, that kind of horrible place where I've, I've done all my Christmas shopping in terms of I have clicked buttons on websites. So I'm currently at that kind of point where I'm sitting there nervously, like refreshing on tracking pages to see whether said items have been shipped or where they are or when they might arrive. So ostensibly, I finished my Christmas shopping, but we shall see how that goes over the next week, I guess. <laughs> yeah, the Christmas shopping has been done, but not the Christmas arriving? No. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's a whole new part of the process. Like We've removed the hassle of having to go to physical shops. Now we just have all these other hassles and strains instead. <laughs> we can't even scream at people. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, I've done my big-ticket items, quote-unquote, and now I... I I did the normal thing I keep doing to myself, um, where I go, oh, and I lull myself into a false sense of security that I'm totally fine and everything's great. And then I remember, shit, I forgot to buy like three presents because I completely got what lulled into a false sense of security by thinking I was ahead of the game. <laughs> so, whoops. Um, but yeah, the only sort of refreshing I've done on tracking websites recently was um, of a international parcel that I, I kind of impulse bought of... Um, Oh, God. Small wafer sweets that come with a small trading card of fake Grand Order fucking I did, characters. I did see you tweet those, and, and you seemed less than impressed with the, the, the final results. So it feels like it maybe wasn't entirely worthwhile. It wasn't worth it at all. Um, but then again, I kind of knew that already. The, mo the thing I'm most marked about is having to pay f £18 of VAT charge to get them released by Royal Mail. So, <laughs> yeah, whoopee-doo. Um, I have so far eaten like 15 goddamn vanilla wafers. And I'm really sick of them. <laughs> I don't want to waste them. So anyway, this I is mean, okay. I, I mean, that, that sounds like you're missing Christmas gifts right there. It's just like, you like wafers, right? Everyone likes wafers. Uh, I gave... I gave friend of the show Paul a wafer the other day, and he's managed to pull a really good character out of it. So whoops. Oh, well, whatever. <laughs> well, you know, someone's got to have the luck. I already got an SSR from it. Of an SSR wafer card. What am I doing? Okay. Yeah, well, welcome to 2018, everybody. Welcome to Gacha. It's hell. Um, but anyway, enough of that. If you want to not be in hell, no, wait, this... This this segue does not work. Anyway, um, this is our fortnightly manga podcast talking about things we've read together so we can discuss them more in depth. Um, if you are enjoying this show, we've got a decent number of episodes underneath our belt now, I believe. Um, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Um, our Patreon um, currently is ongoing voting for our December uh, bonus episode, which you can listen to if you subscribe from $1 a month. If you want to vote, that's $3 or more a month. Um, thank you to everyone who is in fact voting and also for completely swerving because everyone's voting so far is real wild so we've got a good crop of stuff Andy. it's kind of wild people have seem to have gotten the initial sort of spite out of them um <laughs> there's no more light novels at least in running yeah um, they, they, they probably heard what um what smartphone did to us and kind of started to feel bad for us so yeah. maybe maybe that was for the best well, one of the like smart, one of the light novel mafia uh, said, "Oh, I see you're picking light novels of your, of your own accord now, Elliot." And it's like, no, no, <laughs> it worked. <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, that's enough um, preamble for now. Um, so first and foremost is a somewhat packed version of Returning Champions, a series we've discussed before on the show that we have now returned to. So, Andy, I think it's only fair that I let you off the leash because um, I finally got around to reading Dead Dead Demons. DD, DD, Destruction, 
volumes two and three um just today in fact um i'll let you kind of take it off because you've been wanting to talk about it for a while but personal note don't read two volumes of this in one day it it's not a good idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can understand that. It's one of it's one of those series where I, I get the end of the volume and think, oh man, I want more of this right now, but actually it's probably for the best that there is not more of it for me to consume. Yeah, you want it right now, but also you don't want to read it right now. <laughs> yeah, it, in, indeed. So, I mean, th- these are probably fresher in, in your head than me. I mean, I don't, I don't have anything kind of massive to say beyond it continuing to be really good. Like, you know, I think everything that I said about volume two of a few podcasts back mm. kind of still stands true. Uh, I mean, the the series kind of continues to to sort of double down on kind of prodding at the whole uh, military-industrial complex side of things. Like, it's become even more overt in in terms of kind of scenes where we we see the military going in to to fight these aliens and basically saying like, "Hey, like, try not to be too good at this because you know we need to keep this war going because it's you know important for our economy and our jobs, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. Um, and it also continues to kind of branch out into some of the the other kind of slightly more minor characters, which I really appreciate mm. um, because, you know, they, they all have kind of interesting stories of their own. They're not just kind of like generic side characters. They, they have their own stuff going on um, in, in the midst of all this. So yeah, it's just really like, I'm continuing to, to really love the series and, and everything that it does. Like, you know, it's, uh, it's uh, it's very enjoyable in terms of kind of the, the fun it pokes at, at various things. Like, you know, it's, it's very, self-aware in terms of a lot of what what it's doing and uh yeah it just kind of works for me on a lot of levels yeah i'm i really enjoy it um it it's real wild because it, it's some of the more human of Ineo asano's work but also some of the most dread like fills you with dread like you said about the military industrial complex and like not exactly a spoiler but like they're you know it's like the, the war against the invaders which is basically a cakewalk and japan has weirdly found now as a crutch to prop itself up with in the modern era of like oh well you know we had that huge like recession but now we have some aliens to beat up and we can basically blow off the yanks as a result and they're now starting to privatize the war on the invaders and it's it's real hairy as well and volume three gives you your first look at what i think is the invaders i don't know or like a form of the invader i don't know it's weird um, that entire sequence is real hairy because, like you know from the start, it's not going to end well and no one's going to be happy. But oh, we have to play, do our dance here. And yeah, there's some real impress. I one thing I want to admit with this is reading these two volumes. I took so many screenshots on my tablet. It's not even funny. <laughs> like there's so much good stuff, like either single panels or pages or just stuff it's doing. And like you know, you have Ontan still being crazy, but that is a lot more grounded and kind of sensible and you have an entire chapter with her brother which is a weirdly bittersweet little side note thing which makes him make even less sense than before and the art is kind of crazy ridiculous just in all the mundane ways of showing just just you know like incursions of aliens into life but also mundane stuff like hey check out how mixed up all these power cords are for this entertainment center i bet you got one like that and it's like yep but and like you say, the minor characters really come into their own, and yeah, it's just so much, so much depth and texture to the series now that it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah, um, really loving it. Volume four is out in January because um, I kind of before this podcast w- went to look and said, okay, how long do I have to wait? Um, but yeah, also end of volume three, bit of a kicker. Um, kind of the series laying out its table there right at the end of volume three, and it's like, hey. Here's a piece of information. 
fucking deal with it. So. Yeah, yeah, that that was that was very much exactly what we've just talked about. My like, oh man, I I want to read this now, but also, or maybe I don't want to read this right now because uh, that's uh, that is pretty pretty heavy heavy going by the look of it. Yeah, it's it's real wild, but also like it's an Asano work. So what does that even mean? Does that even mean like what it says on its face? Like, yeah, exactly. yeah, God knows. Yeah, it's. It's real wild, but it does it does so well. It earns everything it does. It like all the designs are crazy. It's it's really fun to read. But yeah, it's also just so much dread. Like it's just you know, it's one of these very much like um want to scoop up the characters and transport them somewhere safe type things. Yeah, um, indeed. But yes. uh, yeah, yeah, good stuff. Yeah, so on that note, um Promise Neverland Volume Seven came out. <laughs> yes uh, it did. Yeah, so Man Alive um the series undergoes another twist in like the current structure of threat basically um our erstwhile little friendly chums emma and ray and the assorted children um they find some something of moderate safety which is not quite what it seems and they make an unlikely ally who is very much not really an ally i think and you know it's kind of stepping up its game of like thinking you know trying to preempt your opponent but they're trying to preempt you oh god this is basically death note but far better um so in less notebooks um but yeah it's it's in a good place but also this is another case where i read the entire volume in one sitting sat up and went ah crap i want to read volume eight um it's not out yet yeah uh, yeah i i found myself like wishing that the uh the the, the recent changes they've announced to shonen jumps model was already active because it's like oh then i could probably just like pay a couple of dollars and get hold of all of the chapters post volume seven that way um but uh yeah as, as it stands i i may well still keep my eye on that and kind of uh switch up how i read this to, to start reading chapter by chapter not not least because i'm being teased mercilessly by people who are reading it chapter by chapter of like oh man like there's all this other stuff that you don't even know about yet and, and that's <laughs> that's not helping that's that's grounds for being beaten up with a can opener i swear like it's not fair <laughs> yeah. but you know i'm yeah. playing i've i've i haven't been teased by but i've had been gently prodded by people who are like you should hurry up and read this elliot um thanks paul again um but yeah i i fully intend to jump on the show and jump switch over pay my money and get the chapters um so i can basically binge because like i have like i say i had friends who downloaded a lot of show and jump volumes to be able to read the individual chapters through it which is a lot of bandwidth um but yeah it's a really it's it, it continues to be good and very gripping and you know the characters have their blind spots and especially emma who is like very naive from a positive place but equally still like hedges her bets and you know you it feels like the respites the character the respite the characters get is earned and you're like ah oh, i'm glad that you know nothing is solved there are still lots of problems but we can we've got a victory in the, under our belt even if it's temporary and even if it might be fleeting but at least at least they can have a dinner together. Like, I don't know. It's, it's that sort of stuff. And the, the focus on family, like, especially cause it's not really a biological family, but just like a, a group of quote unquote orphans. And it's, it's really nice like that when it's like, it just takes time to show you them waking up in the morning, putting away the futons, making breakfast, you know, appreciating they've got family around them and in dire straits, like the characters are, that feels like really important to me. 
Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of a really good reminder of like everything that they've been to up to that point. Because it's kind of easy to kind of almost compartmentalize that and be like, oh yeah, you know, that was that thing. But like to to see it from the character's perspective of like, yeah, you know, we've we've been through a kind of kind of bad time here, and now finally we're in in some place of security, quote unquote, is is quite uh, is quite kind of important and, and almost kind of a, a little a little touching the the way it's uh, played out there. But yeah, I mean, Volume 7 is, is great. Like, much like sort of a couple of volumes ago when it last kind of shifted up its formula, I was initially a little bit worried of like, well, is this going to be a point where it kind of, you know, loses the, the thread of what makes it work? But it, it clearly not, like, because this was another another really good volume. And I felt like it was actually... I was quite interested with how kind of Emma's character continues to, to play out because, like you say, you know, she's kind of naive. Like, she... she on, on on the surface, she's kind of like your typical kind of shonen jump protagonist who kind of, you know, wants to be buddies with everybody and kind of wants the best for everyone. But there's kind of like, there's some real needle to her in this particular volume. Like there's a point where basically, you know, she threatens somebody with either like, hey, either you help us out or we just fuck up everything, like everything about your life your choice and like you know that she, she really always goes against type there and it's not even like a bluff it's a very literal like hey this is this this is you know my family comes before anything that that you may care about so like i am not gonna screw around here you know it's kind of my way or the highway which is is an interesting kind of little twist on her character that doesn't kind of it doesn't play against their character because it's totally believable, but it's mm. kind of an interesting development of her kind of within the circumstances, which I, I kind of found quite interesting. Yeah, I really like that, actually, because it, you know, for Emma in particular, she is someone who will fight for what she loves and the people she loves. And so when that is, in fact, threatened, she can punch back much harder than anyone expects, um, which is what happened in that entire standoff where character who's like ah whatever another naive pillock oh no so i that's what i like about emma is like she's not afraid to bare her teeth at you if you so much as try anything funny um it's really fun and it just makes her hair look even funnier because that <laughs> big ass hair and like a big old sprig of hair and like half the cat you can tell a character's evil because they hate it and they have like a bonus comic of them trying to cut it off or something <laughs> oh, but yeah it looks real wild where you've got like smiley emma like hey i'm gonna i'll just blow all this up like fuck you like you you don't fuck with me and it's like no i guess we better not shit like okay Okay, friggin' thirteen-year-old girl, we let's do, let's do this dance. So yeah, really, really gripping, good stuff. Um, like you say, like every time it makes a transition, I'm scared for it, and then it kind of comes through. So hooray! Yeah, yeah, and I'm I'm kind of I'm much less scared for kind of the next thing that it's going into, simply because the way it's set up is like, oh no, like this is this is even more kind of peril than any point before that's sold in a really kind of easy but blatant way of just like, okay, yeah, I need to see where this goes because this seems like it could be a bad time. Well, it's yeah. I mean, there's twin threats at play at the moment. Where you know, if you if you take your ball off of one of the threats, the other one is probably going to get your neck. So it's real. Like even when they were playing that whole excursion, I was like, this this is bad. Like if if the characters focus on one danger, the other one's going to kill them. So yeah, real good stuff. Real good stuff. Like really enjoying that. Um, we have more in the Returning Champions feature, but I think we can stash it for now um, at risk of going long. Um, we've got plenty more podcasting to do, so yes, we can always use that there. But yeah, I'm, I'm really, 
man, Promise Neverland is like right up there with a bullet. Um, as soon as you messaged me about it, I was like, oh shit, and bought it instantaneously at my work <laughs> desk. <laughs> Whoops. Thanks, work Wi-Fi. Um, so moving on to the main part of our show, the um, series that we have nominated um, last time to read for this time. So first and foremost, if you don't mind, I'll go ahead for my pick. Um, it is a light novel I have started to succumb, I guess. Um, and it is J Novel Club's My Next Life as a Villainess, All Roots Lead to Doom, Volume 1. Um, the author is Satoru Yamaguchi. Yamaguchi sorry. Um, it's not complete yet. It's got seven volumes in Japan. It has one completed volume in English and three chapters currently ongoing on J Novel Club. You can buy it. You can read it on J Novel Club, or you can get it from digital light novel stockists. I don't know if it's getting a physical version. Um, it's kind of hard to f- puzzle that out. So this is a. You can probably tell from the title that this title is a bit more tongue-in-cheek and self-aware, uh, which is one of the reasons I picked it because the title was funny, and I read the synopsis and went, "Yeah, this will probably be a good idea." So it is a tongue-in-cheek um, isekai um, light novel where main character dies at age eighteen. She was very much into. The Otome games, you know, the data, the data boy games where you have six lads and they're all different forms of tortured and then you have to rehabilitate them and or kiss them in some way. You know, that kind of wholesome stuff. And so she is reborn into the body of an eight year old in a like low fantasy, but there is still magic um, world um, as an, in basically born into an eight year old who falls over and conks her head. And she is then reborn into Katerina Klaas, um, who is a moderately important noble girl. She is the uh, eldest daughter of the Klaas family, who are not getting on that well. And there's a lot of political machinations around marriages and such. And she's basically been betrothed to the um, third prince of the realm, who is likely going to end up get kind of jumping up the succession order pretty quickly. Um, he doesn't seem too chuffed about it, but also he's a petulant eight-year-old, so whatever. But basically, slowly, in fact, very quickly, the memories, Katrina, as she now finds herself, you don't know the previous name of the girl, um, realizes that now she is in the world of the Otome game she was playing just before she died. Um, and so she quickly runs over and writes down everything she remembers. And she realizes with a start that she is now the villainess of the game. She's basically the character who is your rival for the main protagonist in the game. And in most of the endings, ends up either dead or exiled for trying to get in the way of true love. So Katrina, kind of terrified for her own skin, says, "Okay, I need to avoid getting murdered in this game world that is now my real life. So I need to prevent. I need to not be a jerk." And basically goes on a crazy, a massive like charm offensive to try and prevent everything from collapsing around her and her life going to shit. The problem is that the main character is a complete moron. Um, she's a real ditz. She's an airhead. She has um, a habit of just fading off into um, imagination and internal monologue and ignoring what people are telling her, which I would thought would get very boring very quickly as a literary device, but I think works quite well because, frankly, I'm someone who does that as well and so can totally buy it. Um, and so she will just fade off into having internal meetings inside her own, own head and then snap back to find that she's missed an important part of the conversation because, yo, she was busy brainstorming how to not die. And so basically she goes on a, she goes on a, a charm offensive of different people. And this is not really a surprise, I suppose, but by the end of the first volume of this, she basically has replicated the harem from the visual novel she was playing, except not around the main character, the protagonist, around her instead, uh, which is kind of a case where you can kind of see all the pitfalls being laid in front of uh, Katrina 
as she keeps doing all this stuff and fixing problems at the same time making way more trouble for herself both immediately and down the line and i kind of find it charming as a result because it's both genre savvy but also it's not just a complete get out of jail free clause that you had in other light novels where it's just like oh well i have this knowledge or i have magic boof um and also i kind of like it because katrina although she's a complete muppet is actually nice like kind of unfailingly nice to people and i'm kind of totally on board with a character being nice and that being their weird superpower in the middle of a hoity-toity, nobility-based um, world. Um, but yeah, I really liked it. I'm continuing to read Volume 2 as it comes out. Um, but that's my kind of pitch for why I enjoyed this. Um, but I'm actually more interested to hear what you thought of it, Andy, seeing as I voiced it upon you. So. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of liked it overall. Like, I, I did like the, the cork and see and, and the, the way things kind of pan out in, in the grand scheme of things. Um, you know, it is, it is entertaining. And uh, I mean, the, the weirdest part of it for me is kind of, I feel like the strongest part of it was like the, the lead into volume two, because that's the point where it gets to the like, okay, like now we get to see almost the part that interested me more is like the consequences of all of these actions. Cause I mean, the, the one thing that I did kind of find throughout this first volume is, the, the first chapter was was kind of really good because you know you kind of get everything from Catherine's perspective, and then at the end of each chapter, it kind of switches to the perspective of the other person that's kind of been the main thrust of it, and you kind of get to see their take on things without her internal monologue, and you kind of get to see like how it looks from their side of things, and of course, this being kind of the world of light novels, misunderstandings abound in a lot of these things. Yeah, um, and so I, I kind of I kind of really enjoyed that kind of the, the first time around. I think the trouble is once you know the gimmick, you kind of read. You you kind of read between the lines on everything from that point on in terms of like oh okay well like Katrina is saying this there therefore other characters are going to say this and it becomes very easy to kind of second guess from that point on so that I think that was the main thing that kind of made it drag a little bit for me and, and to the point where I was like man I wish this was just maybe like not quite a full panel manga or anything like that but kind of like a shorter a kind of a shorter form manga kind of presentation because it felt like you know it was building up a lot for a joke that I could already see coming like a few pages in which is is kind of like you know the the, the issue it had from from kind of having that set up all the way through um and I guess the the other thing that it, it kind of it kind of by necessity always has to struggle with is because it, it kind of pushes the character into like a sort of eight slash nine year old. You've got a lot the early chapters of, of this novel and most of this first volume is kind of like eight, nine, ten year olds mostly talking like characters of that age probably wouldn't even if they were nobles. Like it kind of is fine in Katarina's case because like, you know, she's a 17 year old in like a, a younger kid's body but some of the other characters sometimes it kind of like stretch the credulity in, in terms of their age but yeah like it kind of at the end of it all i'm sort of weirdly torn because it's like man i kind of want to read volume two because it's now at the really juicy point where they've kind of you know basically fast forwarded through to the, the point where like all of these character relationships have been set up in this kind of completely skewed way from the source material that Katharina is kind of basing her knowledge on and clearly there's going to be a lot of issues that come off of that but i sort of want to kick back and see but at the same time you know like at, at times this first one was a bit of a slog for me so like I, I need to kind of psych myself up to read it if i am going to go for it 
yeah i'm I'm with you actually like i i must admit like i read this a few weeks ago and so i did a quick refresher read before this podcast but i had i I honestly did forget like how many times it flashes back to the other perspective and especially towards the end of the first volume it gets to the point where you're like yes i get it you got all your wounds healed by katrina that's the gag and it gets kind of weird where even the cases where you think okay this is weird like you're kind of making a stretch here to say that everything's fine and dandy now um, like especially with like some of the later sort of characters and with the maid and it's like you you really don't need to do this every single time you know you can stop flashing to the other character's perspective and basically patting me on the wrist and saying don't worry it's fine and it's like you don't need to do that that's fine like just let the character be an idiot and let her live and let me enjoy that perspective rather than having to keep you know what you know just keep massaging my shoulders every now and then um but yeah yeah that that is that is kind of a weak part in it especially because after a while you can kind of see it coming every single time um and it probably doesn't need to knock out every single character in the first volume but yeah i'm i'm reading the second volume now slowly because i've caught up so fast and yeah so far it's it's another case where it's like okay you know katrina's totally overreacting to things and is panicking slightly even though absolutely no one else is panicking whatsoever or has any ill will so whoops um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed this. I, I made, made more than you did, but I found it kind of a nice, fun romp. Um, but if you want to see it play out, um, an anime was announced, so maybe you can wait for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I can see certainly that first volume seems really kind of well set up for like an, an anime setup of maybe even like, you know, a, a chapter of like half an episode where you get those two kind of points of view and you kind of, you know, run through that stuff pretty quickly. Because, yeah, that, that seems like a good format for it. And I, I do like the general idea. I mean, again, you know, having... Having read and talked about a few kind of isekai works that are very much like, oh, you know, I know all the secrets to this world, and so I'm going to bend it to my will. Like, it is kind of refreshing to have the exact opposite of, like, I know all the secrets of this world, but because I'm kind of an idiot, I'm just going to screw it up and somehow make things worse for myself, which, you know, is is an enjoyable kind of core conceit for, for the thing, you know, even if its execution isn't always quite all there. Yeah, there is there is one part where... Basically, Katrina has like she's made an error and completely misjudged some of her actions. And her way of resolving the issue um, is to go and get an axe and break down the door of the person who is like having a bad time and just going, "Hey, don't worry, I'm here." And it's like, okay, like you're a moron, but it works. It's kind of really adorable in a very earnest, like straightforward, force majeure kind of way. It also is a pretty good little illustration, honestly. Yeah. Um, but that's a good little that's a good little way of characterizing it. It's like, hey, I'm here to fix the problem. Oh, why is everything so much more difficult? Weird. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. What, what, why does everybody suddenly think I'm crazy <laughs> while holding an axe? Like, who yeah, knew, who knew or that would ho- be the, the outcome? Yeah, or a hoe. You know. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I'm probably gonna keep reading it. Um, as I say, I'm I'm, on, I'm already on the hook for J Novel Club, so I get it, it, it every now and then, every few weeks, it pops up a new chapter. So kind of getting for it that way. Cool. Cool. Um, so yeah, uh, so moving on to your pick, Andy, um, which, yeah, go for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, there's some, something of, of some total whiplash here from kind of fun Isekai novel to uh, my pick, which is uh, My Solo Exchange Diary, Volume 1, um, which is kind of a, a follow-up to uh, My Lesbian Experience with Loneliness, which to be honest, is probably one of the best manga I've ever read, like certainly in, in terms of a one-shot single volume thing. Yeah. Um, it is written by an author called uh, Nagata Kabi. Um, and uh, my lesbian experience with loneliness is basically her kind of what's an all story of her kind of 
life, her struggles with kind of uh, depression and mental health issues, with her sexuality, with kind of her family life. And, you know, it's it, it was just such an incredible kind of story in, in so many ways because, you know, it was it was very brutally honest, but also still incredibly kind of funny and heartwarming at times. Like the, the author has a great kind of, uh, a, a great way of kind of looking at her circumstances and somehow still managing to kind of see the amusing side of it, even when you know, the, the subject matter maybe isn't, uh, isn't all that kind of funny. It certainly I imagine wouldn't be to, to kind of live through at the time. Um, and I think most importantly of all, like she's an author who has a really good grasp on explaining very difficult kind of things to explain in, in a really kind of understandable and relatable way. Like, and, and that's something that continues into my solo exchange diary. So, I mean, basically this, this is all kind of, this is literally her kind of writing a diary to herself, like after the release of my lesbian experience with loneliness, like basically her editor kind of suggested when she's trying to figure out what to do next, like, Hey, have you ever like, kept a diary if not like you should you should do that and just like make this a basically your diary entries you know about your life um and so you know she kind of struggles with kind of wanting to move out and kind of move away from from her parents um and it kind of you know delves in a little bit more as as to you know kind of her, her family life and relationships and you know why those have been problematic and, and troublesome for her um there's 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 a whole lot of kind of fallout really of, of like actually having a published book especially of, of the nature of, of her previous work in terms of like well i want to show my parents that i like i've done this really important thing and like i've succeeded at something but also a lot of this book is about my parents and how they've made my life hell so how do i like how do i broach this especially when kind of also added in with you know all the, the discussion of sexuality and, and this that and the other um and then there's there's also kind of fallout of just like hey like I, my name and my work is like out in the mainstream now so like there are just complete strangers talking about me and like how do i deal with kind of how do i deal with that in terms of you know the the, the validation that you get from seeing people saying nice things about you on social media and also people saying not so nice things about you on social media. Um, and then she also kind of, there's a, a, towards the end of the volume, she's kind of like entering the, the, the world of relationships effectively, uh, which is also kind of really interesting in, in terms of how that plays out to, to the point where the author feels the need to kind of apologize to the reader because it seems like, oh, this is really sweet and this is going really well. And then the next chapter is like, yeah, sorry, we kind of broke up. Um, and it's like, you know, again, it's just very kind of forthright and, uh, and, and very honest and, and kind of quite, uh, quite amusing in, in places at the same time. Hmm. But I mean, I think much like her previous work, like the, the main thing about this is that she just manages to describe kind of her circumstances and the way she feels about things in this really kind of easily understandable and, and vivid way that, I think is is kind of the thing that makes her work so important because you know unless you've or even if you've kind of suffered from some of these kind of the, the issues that she's had directly like it's kind of impossible to explain that stuff to another person in in a in a way that's all that relatable because it's it's just simply because it's so personal and it's so much about kind of your your own feelings and kind of basically the chemical reactions in your brain like how how do you put across your perception of the world to somebody else and somehow Nagata Kabi manages to do that on a regular basis and like 
both this book and my Lisbon experience with loneliness have kind of helped me understand things about kind of mental health issues and depression and sexuality that I don't think I really it's not like I understand them perfectly now, but I feel like I have a better comprehension of them and how they affect the people who have to struggle with those issues than, than I did before. And like, I, I think that's an incredibly important thing. And that's, you know, that is incredibly high praise to, to have any kind of manga that can actually kind of help to, to kind of color and guide your perception of things that you otherwise have no experience of. And mm. like, that's the thing that I've taken away from kind of both of her books that I've read so far is like I feel like I've actually learned important things that you know kind of helps me understand more about other people who've you know have clearly gone through things that I, I don't have any personal perception of, mm. um, and and that's also done really well with the visuals as well. Like you know you could kind of look at the art style of this book and say like ah eh, it's really kind of simplistic and scrawly, but actually the visuals work really well. Like they communicate her mental health her mental state really well like there there are some some fantastic panels that are kind of quite dark in, in places where you know she's literally she literally feels like she's being stabbed in the back by her parents and like it, it doesn't hold back in terms of saying like hey this is this is how this moment made me feel like this is the visual representation of of what what this moment felt like and again it's stuff like that that just kind of really sort of helps to to bring home you know how how these experiences and, and how just simple kind of you know throw away lines and words that other people can say can can have such an effect on you which again is probably yep. something that's more kind of generally relatable to people of just you know the fact that somebody you can be having a great day and then somebody can just say one thing that can totally kind of deflate you or put you on the, the back foot and again it just it relates all of that so so incredibly well uh but also you know with good humor sometimes like you know sometimes she can take a, a step back and, and take a look at her kind of hang-ups about something and kind of acknowledge like i know this is really stupid and you know but this is how i feel and this is why and it's all uh, it's it's another fantastic work of hers and like i i, I wish it was available digitally so i could recommend it even more easily yeah, to people. Same. <laughs> but you know it's absolutely if if you're willing to 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 go out and buy something physically my solo exchange diary should should probably be beyond that list of stuff you have a physical copy of yeah i mean to ease that sort of decision there's any is it's two volumes long in Japanese, and the second volume comes out, I think, in February. So um, it's not too long to wait. Um, but no, I'm, I, I want, uh, yeah, I echo a lot of what you said. Like, I definitely agree about, like, I mean, just to just uh, Nagatakabi has an amazing kind of almost kind of frighteningly good way of appraising herself and appraising her emotional states and like her own super, like you say, like the absurdity of everything she's feeling, and yet it is what she is living in her truth and everything around that but also just the way of describing it is so just straight but i it's hard to, it's, it's weird I'm, I'm, I'm having a hard time describing the simplicity of how something is shown and described in a work which is weird but it is a case where it's like you look at it and go especially like i don't know i've had personal issues with um, anxiety and depression previously um still have problems sometimes but hey hey um and you i look at the descriptions and the like the visual representation in this book in this book and the same with the previous one and i'm like yeah no that yep yeah, you found the way to describe this perfectly like you somehow found the exact way to really crystallize this weird thing that i find really hard just to like spit out of me 
um and also through her own lens of kind of far more intense sort of like close familial sort of hara- like almost harassment um but one thing that makes this really interesting in that regard as well is um because it is in the form of a like a monthly diary almost i think it's monthly but there's a lot of juddering in it where between different chapters like the state changes and it's the way it's written isn't as a like contiguous like one panel a day thing it's very much a case of like hey here's my check-in so some stuff changed and here's why here's why suddenly i've gone from being totally cool with my parents to absolutely wanting to jump off a cliff and it's like oh okay like it's kind of fast it's kind of extremely straightforward well it's not kind of it is it's extremely straightforward very earnest very honest very completely soul bearing which i think again is another thing that cabby really pushes across um is you know herself as subject her and herself as reporter and herself as artist like all comes together on the page like you have so many amazing ways of showing that and you know i've as i said before about a previous work on a previous podcast but it's the paneling is simplistic it's it's like one panel wide on the page and it's mostly in four panel four wide panels but when the way it uses every last part of the page is very important and really carefully thought out and very elegantly structured to get you across. I mean, even the second page has an amazing like panel I want to shout out and it seems really mundane and it kind of is, but on the second page, she's at, she's in shock about having a new series, the series that she is in fact writing. And she's saying, Oh, it's a series of essays. And then she has drawn, you see a hand drawing a facsimile of herself saying, right like as in oh okay and then it has a narration pop out saying oh i was going to draw myself it's a really fascinating way of merging the narration and the art together in like the same scrawly style but it's such an effortless panel that communicates so much together in like the artist's point of view and mindset and their own you know sort of appreciation of their own reaction it's really it's really amazing how just how much is in there and you know it has the whole pink screen tone over everything which it uses for really amazing effect. It's you know it's it's getting it's getting a lot out of not a lot out of a little, and it's really powerful that way. But yeah, it's a it's a fascinating work. Um, the book in particular has like a very last author's note, basically saying, "Hey, you may have noticed a transition between vo- chapters eleven and twelve. Yeah, um, that fucking sucked. <laughs> it, it's real interesting, like having the character also like spread her wings a bit more and start looking into relationships more permanently." And having a whole new kettle of fish to worry about in that regard, you really heart really goes out to her, bless her. Um, but yeah, it's a really fascinating, really gripping work. But also, uh, forgive me for the use of this word. I know you apologize for using it before in a previous podcast, Andy. But it is highly vis- visceral. Like it's so close to the bone, to the marrow, to the heart, to the blood that it's kind of undeniable in a way. Um, like you cannot. Uh, it, I, I think if it doesn't leave you affected, then there might be so, you, mm, there may be something wrong. I don't know. It's just the sheer power of what is in this book is kind of undeniable to me. Um, and that's yeah. why I love it so much because it's such a ridiculous raw lump of like beating, um, just horror. Really, it's like it's like the most real horror manga you'll ever read in your life because it's the horror of reality. Weird. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think for for all of the things that are kind of you know not sort of universal experiences that you can learn from there there are also things that are very relatable it's like there's there's a part kind of early on in the chapter where she just talks about like feeling lonely and again she describes that in a way that you know i suspect pretty much anybody can kind of look at that and be like oh yeah like i totally had that feeling and you've kind of summed it up in a in a way that i never could have done and i mean even, even with like some of the stuff with her parents and family and such 
I I haven't had that exact problem or exact experience. Not problem, experience is a better phrase. But at the same time, you can read it and go, yeah, no, that makes this all this all completely scans. Like every last part of this feels like some kind of hard won, you know, sort of truth you you pried out of the jaws of your own experience. And it's that kind of strength and also just complete and utter like what's the word it's not believability legitimacy i don't know it's yeah. something like that like it just feels it is like you you know it is real like you couldn't you couldn't make it up like frankly. yeah yeah and it, it's it's also really fascinating kind of to see the, the author kind of struggling with with her own problem of like hey i've created i've created this thing based on being kind of frank and forthright about like my life but now my life is also kind of the thing that i am writing and it's like how do i like how do i square this circle because you know do do i write about the people who are reading this book or do i not and like you know just that very simple thing like it's 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 really interesting to see her kind of her struggle and her decision making process around a lot of that you know from you know the, the the feedback she gets on social media through to you know kind of relationships through to you know how do you approach your family and say hey this is this is what i'm doing this is what's earning me a paycheck like all of that thread i i found particularly interesting because i feel like probably 90 something percent of other authors even if they were writing something kind of autobiographical would either kind of polish that up or leave it out entirely whereas here again it's very much just like hey like i'm I'm, you know this is an important part of my life like i'm not going to gloss over this part just because it's weirdly kind of meta like this is this is also important and i'm just going to kind of just go for it and and kind of talk about like the the difficulties of this for me as well yeah, I feel like that's a big generational thing anyway, or like a general lived truth of trying to explain your um, your career, your job to people from a different generation, you know, your parents and things have changed so much in the workforce and the, the sheer existence of employment has shifted, I would say, possibly negative, probably negatively in the main. And trying to explain your career or your livelihood to people who do not get it and probably never will get it and don't quite understand what you're doing and and then when you when you are writing non-fiction about your own life and at times them that ooh, like that's a yeah and also the, the series companies this was really good like both physical and metaphorical sort of drawing and you know it's it's a really perfectly tightly made package it could, it packs a lot into a one volume shape it's kind of ridiculous in that way um much like my lesbian experience of loneliness did which had a huge arc of that but yeah, also it, it it has its joys, like you know, just the, the you know the 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 small victories of the character being able to voice some of their desires or needs or wants, like basically saying to someone, "Hey, I I would like a hug," and it's like, okay, and you know that's an important part of this of this book is being able to tell someone, "Hey, can can I have a contact now?" Like that's you know that's a thing, like that's a whole thing, especially in our current messed up world, frankly. So yeah, it's a it's a really powerful work. I'm glad you suggested it, Andy, because um, I was going to suggest it anyway. All right. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like I, I'd been holding off, holding off because it's is physical only. But in the end, it's like I I really need to read this because you know, like I say my lesbian experience with loneliness is, is an absolutely incredible manga, which is available digitally. If you've not read that yet, like it's well worth seeking out. Um, but uh, but yeah, like I also you know, given that it's only two volumes, it's it's not too onerous to say, hey, I'll, I'll pick up physical copies of this. So uh, I shall uh, I shall look forward to the second volume when it comes out. 
yeah is a, is a real real amazing yeah ever real amazing work um i i'm really i'm also really glad that both this and lesbian experience of loneliness have got loads of praise like from both manga readers and from wider sort of venues because it deserves every word of it it's it's an amazing work it it should be read more widely it should be read so yeah, for sure. yeah it, it is it is both good and important in my mind yeah definitely <laughs> cool so yeah but also just to hammer home sorry um sorry andy but it does have its happy moments like the victory is a very hard one and very important so i think it's important to underscore that that there are still victories in this even though it, it's a lot of struggle but the struggle is important so like it's not just like a horror an unending horror show for 200 pages there are there are victories in this so yeah yeah, yeah. I, I i think I just wanted, kind of, sorry i just wanted to mention that <laughs> yeah i i think it's kind of it's kind of the weird thing about about this work as a whole is like i kind of still finish the book with kind of a smile on my face because like you know clearly for all of her struggles like she's I think sometimes it's just seeing that, like, hey, you, you've got a handle on this stuff. Like, you understand the issues at hand and you're actively working to improve them. And it's kind of, it's, I think because it's so personal and it's so frank and open, it's kind of like catching up with an old friend who you knew hadn't been doing so well. And it's like, they're like, okay, like you're saying the right things. It sounds like, you know, you've, You've still got a lot of work to do, but you know what you need to do, and it's like, no, you're you're going to be okay in the end. You're you're going to be just fine. And yeah. so, like, I kind of ended like feeling quite upbeat about things, like regardless, because it's like, yeah, you know what, you're you, you've you've got a handle on all of this, so you know that's cool. Yeah, there's like a line right at the end, but not a spoiler, but like, there's a good line where it's like, oh, you've worked really hard and grown so much for me. It's like damn like that that sort of that sort of level of introspection is hard to even look at for more than five seconds even <laughs> in your own life let alone yeah. trying to read a book so yeah good stuff um but yeah ah uh, but yeah again kind of jonesing volume two at this point um and anything else the author does quite frankly definitely cool uh cool so moving on uh we're moving on to talk about what we're going to talk about next time so this is where we nominate stuff for each other and this is also the um typical Elliot goes, ah, oh, Andy, you stole my topic. Nah, moment. So there you go. You stole my topic. <laughs> I'm glad. Hooray. So Andy, what are we reading next time from you? Yeah, well, I mean, ironically for, for this next show, you also stole my topic. So basically we could have just switched these around and we would also have been just fine. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, like, I, I, again, I'm, I'm not sure how this kind of slipped out of my brain because I'd been meaning to, to put it on uh, as a suggestion for a while. But uh, my choice for the, the next show is uh, Wakakozake Volume 1. So uh, lots of food talk and pursue aplenty. Yep, yep. I got that digitally when it came out. And yep, it'd be good to talk about that. Um, and I have picked up, um, so if you, if you, well, this probably won't be ongoing by the time it's rec- releases, but if it is, grab it. Um, but I'm going to be, we're going to be talking about Boarding School Juliet, Volume 1. So this is currently one of the three volumes available on Book Walker, which actually wasn't the reason I picked it. Um, I went to a panel at Hibanacon, um, done by my good, by a good friend Niall, um, who did, who does a panel about cool fight scenes in anime. And one of the fight scenes he called out was from this series, Boarding School Juliet, which is like a Romeo and Juliet at a boarding school type thing. And they had a big old sword fight and it looked dope as hell. And then I found out there was a manga it came from. So I said, well, you know, I'm down for like anime Romeo and Juliet. Sod it. Like, how bad can you screw that up? So here we go. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I've gone for Boarding School Juliet. 
So we'll yeah. see how that is. Yeah, I, I think it's available free on, on Bookwalker until the 20th of December. So like no pressure, Elliot, but if you get the podcast up in, in, in well, time, then people might have uh, might have a time to, to grab it for free and, and join we, us in, in our discussion. This is this is scheduled to release on the 18th. So there you, there you go, we'll have two days. Yeah, um, so, so hopefully people will, will be desperate to, to listen to this podcast. They will have reached this point and then they can reach for their uh, their tablet or their phone and uh, and download this for free. And then they yeah, can I, tell us how wrong we are when we talk about the show. Yeah, I should probably actually put a message out on Twitter to people as well once this once we finish recording this to let them know ahead of time. So they can yeah, 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 that, that would that would be fair and nice yeah, of us. We, so we should probably do that. Should probably use the Twitter feed for something useful. Whoops. <laughs> oh dear. But yeah, um, so that's been your episode of Screen Tone Club. Uh, the next episode will be a slightly different format because, um, as you may expect, it is coming up on the holiday season. And so we're going to do a slightly different sort of end of year wrap up. We're not doing an award show. We, I think we've both got a bit sick of those from doing them in past years. <laughs> thank you very much. I'm not going to do another eight hours of podcast editing. Thank you. Um, although it was fun, whatever, it was worth it. But we're going to be doing an end of year catch up about everything we've talked about so far. Um, there's now a link on the website which goes to a full list of everything we've talked about on the podcast, along with um, links to the episodes in question. Um, it's not very well highlighted because I'm using um, a template on the website, but if you have a look underneath the title, it will have a link there so you can see the full list. Um, but you can find that website at screentone.club. Um, the web podcast can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc. If you like the podcast, please tell people about it, tweet about it, put it on Facebook, I guess. Um, message it, mention it to your friends who like the mangas. Um, please rate and review on your podcast service of of choice. That's really appreciated. Thank you very much because it really helps with the algorithm. Um, also, you can find us on Twitter at Screen Tone Club. You can find us on email at show at screentone.club. And finally, if you would like, you can subscribe to us on Patreon. As mentioned, that stuff really helps with paying for books and paying for dig- uh, paying for our hosting. And hopefully, if we get more interest, we'll be able to branch out into more more interesting things. Um, so please consider that if you don't mind. So uh, moving on to personal plugs, uh, my name is Elliot. You can find me at Elliot Page on Twitter, um, posting more cat pictures now. Uh, now they're growing up a bit more. And you can also find uh, the website Manga Search Mangus S E ar.ch which is a legal digital manga search engine so you can find digital manga wherever it may be um at least in the uk and andy how about you yeah you can find me on twitter at hannah's 1979 where i'm probably trying to pretend that a certain magical index is actually about brexit god you you went ham on that like (laughs) it was too easy i I know but after like two tweets i'm like man and he's gone to the races let him go (laughs) he's he's got that gag and he's running with it but it it is very easy to do with that show with that show at the moment cool so thank you very much for listening um hope you've enjoyed it as much as we've enjoyed recording it and we will speak to you soon Bye, bye everyone